Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Bodine. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years, working in the technology industry. Let's have a listen as Peter interviews Jeff LaFrenz. Take it away, Peter. So welcome. My name's Peter Baudouin, and I'll be your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Jeff LaFrenz, CEO of VizWorks, a Calgary-based company. We'll be exploring how VizWorks has grown over the last few years and discuss the Alberta innovation ecosystem. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Really great to be here. So can you tell us a bit about VizWorks and how you guys have grown over the last few years? Sure. So VizWorks is a software development company focused on addressing critical business needs of organizations for which there's no off-the-shelf solution available and really helping people uh, get to the point where they can make decisions around their data uh, in ways that they're not classically able to do so using the most advanced technologies that are appropriate for that purpose. Uh, and this means we work with a lot of advanced technologies like augmented and virtual reality and artificial intelligence, data visualization, and so forth, the alphabet soup of all the cool tech. Uh, but we're not about the tech per se. We're about creating solution to meet business needs of our customers. Uh, in the process of doing so, we also create IP that we're turning into new products where they are more broadly applicable than a single customer. And so we are working on those as well as doing a lot of these innovative custom solutions for our customers. Okay, thanks for that. So VizWorks has won a number of innovation awards through the years, including the Fast Growth Award in 2018, Calgary Innovation Award, et cetera. So a number of great accolades. So congrats on that. But I wanted to focus on the Creative Destruction Labs because VizWorks is a member of the Creative Destruction Labs Rockies inaugural cohort in 27-18. So can you tell us a bit about of a little bit about the labs and how VizWorks has benefited from their support? Sure. So CDL Rockies is uh, one of five different CDL uh, entities across Canada. The first one was in Toronto about six, seven years ago, really focused on uh, a new way of accelerating early stage companies through to their growth and success. Uh, It's a very interesting venue to be in, very intense venue to be in, because as an early stage company, you literally end up standing in front of a room of 100, 150 different potential investors, uh, talking to them about why they should care about what you're doing and uh, listening to their feedback around exactly what they think you're good or not good at and, and trying to smile and accept it and say, yes, uh, that makes sense. And it's actually one of the things that they're really looking for in companies that go into there is companies that are willing to accept feedback and are willing to understand that and adopt it whenever it makes the most sense to do so. 
so from our own perspective, that actually was one of the biggest benefits of being part of it. It was this ability to connect with and, and work with people who are successful business entrepreneurs and successful investors, and from their connections, understand how we can continue to evolve the company towards its own success. Uh, ultimately, although investment is a big part of the CDL process, uh, we didn't end up accepting any investment during the whole CDL Rockies. Uh, to date, VizWorks has not had any external investments in it as an organization. We've uh, self-funded this off of personal investments and off of customer revenues. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we see and what our, our opportunity space is with the ability to eventually spin out a new company from the products that we're developing is that the connections we made in CDL Rockies will ultimately be the investors in the new enterprise when we spin it out. So can you tell us a little bit about how your role has changed as CEO uh, from before the times of Creative Destruction Labs? Because obviously you've grown. So how has your role changed? Hmm. Yeah, so we, we actually were a bit of an anomaly in the whole CDL process in that uh, when we started CDL, we had about six people in the company. By the time we finished CDL, we were over 20 people in the company. Uh, and all that growth was completely independent of everything that was going on in CDL. It was based upon a massive amount of customer interest in the kind of work we were doing. Uh, so in some sense, my role changed quite a bit because the company grew significantly during that process and, and managing the dynamics of a larger company and the amount of business development and activities that went along with that uh, certainly evolved quite a bit in that process. Uh, in other ways, CDL had very little direct impact on that because, as I said, it was really done independently of all the stuff that was going on within CDL. Uh, but the perspective that I would say from CDL and the role that has changed there is that my ability to engage and interact with the investment community has changed dramatically as a result of being part of CDL. Uh, now I know a number of uh, investors who and some I would consider to be friends around the, the industry that I'm happy to engage with and talk with on a regular basis on a, a non uh, investment-oriented basis, shall we say, as people that are part of the ecosystem and just people that I know and friends that I know in the ecosystem. And that comes out of the engagements we had at CDL. And and part of the CDL process, just to, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's not a you know one-and-done type of thing. It's a nine-month process of engagement at various levels and number, numerous meetings with various investors from a whole variety of different backgrounds and across the country. So that process gives you that long-term ability to find and engage with people who have a similar perspective, similar mindset, and similar opportunity space that you have so that you work on a like minds. And, and ultimately, having a, a synergy and a connectedness between the people running the company and the people that invest in the company is quite important. You don't want to be at odds. That just will create a lot of situational issues in the future. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, VizWorks' service offering? Sure. So for the majority of the customers that we work with on the customer customized level of things, the engagements are agile software development around particular business needs, as I mentioned earlier. So really what we look at is addressing and understanding the, uh, the details of what the customer problem happens to be. Uh, exactly what's going to work well for them. And then we work with them to identify a scope of work that we can work together on uh, and then engage them as part of our project team in the agile development approach so that they're part of evolving this solution to meet their exact needs. Uh, because what we find for most customers and anybody who works in agile understands this is that you don't always know all the details of what your solution is going to be required at the very beginning of the project. A lot of that understanding comes as the project evolves, and so the Agile approach allows that understanding to evolve at the same time as the project itself. Uh, so that's a lot of the way our service offering works. And, 
And this varies from customer to customer, from something that is unique and business critical to a customer that's really a, a differentiator for that customer, that they want to own it and they want to run with it and we just support and maintain it after the project is done, to customers who are really trying out a new technology and don't actually know where it's going to go for them, but they need to try it out to get some sense of where it's going so that they then ultimately have the ability to decide whether it's something they really want to dive into or they just know enough now to know that they don't need it at this particular point in their time. And so we do a, a whole cross-section of work in that regard. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, in some cases, that service offering ends up in intellectual property that we ultimately own, and then we make a decision as to whether that has further legs or not to go beyond that. Uh, and one of those examples is work we originally did with Synovus around using augmented reality for engineering design review and really understanding the whole process of engineering design review from a different perspective. Uh, and to give some context on this, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of $3 trillion spent on a global basis in the industrial, commercial, governmental construction space. Uh, and Gartner estimates that around 30% of the cost of those projects is in rework during construction. So a massive amount of money that really ultimately shouldn't have to be spent. Uh, and one of the big components of that is issues with the design that are not noticed until you're in the middle of construction. So using augmented reality, uh, a couple of years ago, we started on having a new way of visualizing design. So for those who are not familiar with augmented reality, it's essentially the ability to project into the physical world around you virtual objects. Think of it as current state-of-the-art for the uh, Star Trek holodeck, as close as you can get with today's technology. And so this ability allows people to literally walk around full-scale versions of a facility long before it's ever been built. Uh, and get the insights that one gets out of walking around a real facility rather than walking around or looking at a you know projection of a 3D onto a 2D screen and trying to imagine what it might look like if it was in full scale someplace. Uh, now, so that's what we did a couple of years ago. Subsequent to that, we've now taken that as a basis and we've evolved in a lot of different uh, additional features around the whole design review process and really dramatically changing the way people think about design reviews using this as a basis for the technology. Uh, and one example of the application of that was work we did with Willie Parsons and Imperial Oil a couple of months ago when they did a, a pilot project where they did a classic design review on the first day and then they did another design review on the second day. And not only did they find dramatic insights into the facility that they never got out of the classic review, but they also found several hundred thousand dollars in direct cost savings by using our solution over the classic approach. Uh, just immediately justified the whole process of doing this kind of approach uh, and is generating tremendous amount of uh, ripple interest from that, including we were just in Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks ago, and the, the interest there for this technology is through the roof. And so it's, another, it's just globally this whole kind of technology space is going to take off for us. Great. So, I mean, now that you're growing, obviously you're growing, there's a lot of opportunity worldwide. What's the biggest challenge you face? <laughs> Growth. Growth is its own challenge. Growth. I mean, finding... Uh, the right people, the right resources, uh, more broadly than just people. Uh, in, in the local ecosystem here in Calgary in particular, the amount of development resources, highly qualified development talent is limited. It's a limited pool to draw from. So there's a lot of demand to try and find the right people in that space. Uh, we're also finding that on the sales, marketing, and general business development space, there's not a lot of talent here in Calgary that are available to support the kind of work we do. Uh, a lot of the people who are very good at what they do, but they come out of the oil and gas industry, really have no idea how to sell tech. 
Uh, and so uh, there isn't a lot of tech-savvy sales professionals in the local area, which makes it difficult to find and grow the company when you need those kind of people to find the new business opportunities to continue to grow it. And particularly when we're talking globally, where we're starting to get into other regions, uh, to find people who have that kind of global capability for building out a business development and sales and marketing team, there's not a lot of them around. And so I think our biggest challenge right now is literally the growth of the personnel and the resources we need to support the growth of the business itself, finding that resource. Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to shift gears a bit and and talk about the Calgary, Calgary Innovation Ecosystem. So I, I know you're very active in supporting the ecosystem. So when I look at, and I'll take digital as an example, the ecosystem in Calgary, there's a lot going on with many different players you know, you think you have different government funders or government organizations. You have incubators and and uh, uh, what is it, accelerators, funders, etc. So, from as an entrepreneur, you know, looking at this ecosystem, where where do you think do you see the greatest opportunity to st- support the startup community? <laughs> Make it simple. Um, this is actually a. Uh, one of the opportunities and challenges we have in here. There's a tremendous amount of interest and support, uh, but it's quite diverse and it's quite complicated for any individual, particularly a, an early stage uh, entrepreneur who doesn't have a good sense of the ecosystem to figure out how to navigate the ecosystem. Uh, so the more we can provide uh, supports and information to people so that they can navigate the system appropriately, I think the easier it's going to be for them to, to take their concept and, and turn it into something that may have legs behind it. Uh, now, of course, the, the reality in the startup environment is that most startups fail. That's just the, the way things are. Uh, and so, you know, if we can change the dynamics from, you know, most fail to only more, you know, less than most fail, yeah. I think that's a massive opportunity for us to do so. And, and this is global. This is not just, you know, Alberta. This is globally the nature of uh, the startup ecosystem is that most startups don't succeed, don't get past their early stages. Uh, so anything we can do to help navigate that and any blockage or, or, or detail, difficulties that they're going to run into that we can remove, the better. Uh, and one of them is just the navigation process right now. It's a complicated environment. Mm-hmm. And so whatever we can do to simplify it, uh, the better. So what role has the rainforest played in this ecosystem? Oh, lots. So rainforest, uh, since its early days, has really been about collisions around creating opportunities for people who have a like mind, a like interest to find each other. Uh, in a venue that didn't exist prior to that, and there was no easy way for them to have found each other prior to that. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, from what I've seen, been the biggest benefit to date of Rainforest has been that opportunity for collisions to occur and connections to occur that wouldn't know otherwise occur. Um, I think the real opportunity now that Rainforest has gone through that evolution is the next phase. And so things like this podcast and other kind of ways for Rainforest to kind of reach out and connect and engage uh, are tremendously beneficial as we go forward with this. So I, I really, uh, you know, kudos to everyone who is doing this, you know, Rainforest 2.0 uh, type of initiatives to, yeah. to take it to the next level for sure. Yeah. So I wanted to follow up. I mean, you know, we always hear that a lot of Canadian entrepreneurs are having challenges to raise growth capital once they get to a certain stage. And you mentioned earlier that that for, for BizWorks, thankfully, isn't an issue. But can you talk about, because one thing I wanted to explore on there is you did say that one area which was a you know benefit to you is you had your customers sort of were able to help fund that growth. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah, sure. So from the perspective of uh, early stage growth or early stage capital and growth capital, I've heard from a number of people that that can be difficult, mm-hmm. and it ultimately depends upon the network of connections, the people you know, 
and that's part of why I was really happy to have gone through CDL is that I have that network connections now so that when and if we do need to raise capital, I have people I can reach out to. So that certainly helps a lot. It, it, you know, and it's, I think the biggest thing, and this is from our own perspective, the biggest challenge we had overall was establishing credibility in the marketplace. Uh, there's a good reason why the large companies look at small companies as risky. Uh, most of them don't survive. So if you're going to put a whole lot of money into an organization, which uh, the chances of it surviving are fairly low, you want to think twice before you do that. And so it takes quite a while for organizations like early stage companies to gain that credibility, to show that they're going to be around for a while so that the other large organizations can trust that and can and work with them and, and use their technologies. Uh, so that's certainly been one of the challenges but opportunities that have come out of being in this environment and uh, and I think that there's a lot of opportunities for other organizations uh, to follow a similar path and and really recognize and it's going to take them a while to establish credibility in the marketplace it's going to take them a while to get past some of those barriers that exist uh, but they need to be able to do it in a way that um, doesn't cause them to die because they run out of capital yeah uh, you know and so working with our customers what we've really been focused on is we're not building things on spec we're not just kind of deciding that yeah somebody might be interested in this and i'll throw all my money and all my efforts into this and then hope that somebody will buy it we've really been looking at it from the perspective that okay the customer ultimately is the one who's going to buy this so they better decide what it is that they need to buy what the problem is that they have and how we can provide a solution for that problem so we really took a different spin on uh, from this development perspective. Yeah, uh, and I should say that you know this this need to build credibility in the marketplace is certainly not limited to oil and gas. Uh, although we started off with a lot of our work being in the oil and gas industry, we've diversified quite broadly into a variety of other industries, including most recently into the defense and aerospace industry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that itself takes a tremendous amount of time and effort to build the credibility necessary for the large defense industry or aerospace industry customers to want to work with you. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier that one of the challenges you face is, in, in some instances, is trying to find you know, you know very high-end or qualified salespeople who can sell at a global level. But the issue, if we come back and say within the Calgary ecosystem, that, that's one type of resource. But you know, as we, we look to more digital opportunities, there's a whole host of digital skills that we need to find out there. And I know, I mean, you say when you go in and you're, 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 um, you look at your product set or when you need a, a customer needs a certain type of technology, you go out and find it and bring it in. So have you had, have you had any challenge finding resources or specific technologies in the local ecosystem or is it pretty much there, what you need? The nice thing about digital is digital is very global. Mm -hmm. So if we want to find a good artificial intelligence engine to do a particular task and build an application around it, we just look globally to find it. Mm -hmm. That's not something that's typically a challenge. Finding the people who know how to use it and how to build an application around it, that's more of a challenge. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we do work in biometric systems. We do work in, uh, I don't know, camera-based uh, visualization systems for object recognition, facial recognition, facial analysis, things of that nature. Uh, we do work in augmented reality, virtual reality. We do work in a whole cross-section of technologies. So we need a development talent pool to draw from who understands how to work in this cross-section of technologies. Uh, and that's where our limitation is. The technologies are out there. The technologies yeah. are available. It's really more a matter of getting the people who know actually how to turn a technology concept into a practical application. And do you think we're developing that pool of capital or of people within we the are. ecosystem? Yeah. yeah, you know, and there's, there's short-term and long-term initiatives around that. Uh -huh. uh, I know the UFC has been focusing hard and the provincial government provided funding for that to increase the amount of graduates they'll get from their programs. Mm -hmm. 
but that's a long-term opportunity. It takes three, four, five years to get through one of these degree programs to the point where they're really effective. Uh, there's other ones like Evolve U and uh, Lighthouse Labs, which are trying to do uh, something similar but on a much shorter time frame, where they take people who are already technically trained in maybe an engineering discipline or something else and provide them the opportunity to get experience in doing software development and to kind of get up to speed in a particular aspect of software development. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we need, a, we need all of this stuff. Yeah. We need to really dramatically increase the pool of talent here in Alberta and Calgary in particular as quickly as we can. Because there are lots of organizations that will fail because of lack of talent, not yeah. because of lack of a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Evolve U or Lighthouse, please come to the Rainforest event because we always usually have some of their graduates present. Absolutely. But uh, Yeah, and lots of great people are coming through those programs. Yeah. Sure. yeah. We've hired a few of them ourselves. Yeah. So, so can I ask, when, when you, you, you know, you've mentioned you're also exploring the defense and aerospace industry. So how does that differ in that type of industry than when you're looking at oil and gas? Cause it's radically different, right? I mean, it is and it isn't yeah. actually. And that's one of the interesting things about this. There, there is a conference here in Calgary that happens, I think it's early February every year called ConvergeX. And this is a conference specifically focused on creating convergence between the energy sector, the defense, the aerospace, and the security sector of uh, technology or of, of markets and so forth. And so it brings together large uh, decision-making organizations from all these different industries to start talking about crossovers between them. Okay. Uh, so surprisingly enough, there's a lot of actual crossovers between these technology spaces. And this is where people who choose to look across industry actually can find a lot of opportunities that they didn't realize otherwise would exist. Uh, and so stuff that we're doing in augmented reality around design reviews and, you know, building construction for oil and gas industries, totally applicable to any construction anywhere in the world in any industry, including yeah. defense and aerospace. It's also applicable to building the next ship or the next plane or whatever it happens to be. Uh, the same technology can be applied in a variety of different ways. And biometrics technology and, and visualization technology, all these kind of things have broad applicability for a number of industries. Uh, but one of the key things that we found in the defense industry in particular is that they're very interested in R&D. Uh, as an industry, it's actually one of the ones that uh, is very closely engaged with leading edge R&D type uh, activities. And so organizations like ours who have close affiliation with the local university uh, provide that uh, perspective to these large defense industry corporations that they want to see where it's not just about applying a specific technology, but it's about the groundwork to build a new technology that can then be applied. Yeah. Great. So looking back on BizWorks journey to date, because we have a lot of uh, listeners who are entrepreneurs and, and starting in, in their businesses, what would you have done differently? Right. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, yeah, so many different things one can learn from the past, of course, and hindsight's always great. Uh, one of the things I would certainly do differently is make decisions faster. Sometimes you hold on to an idea, a person, a, a technology too long, and you need to make a decision to pivot away from that. Uh, sometimes it's not the right person for your company. Sometimes it's not the right technology. Sometimes it's not the right market for the technology you're building. Uh, learn to let go shall we say, and pivot more rapidly than you otherwise would think. The, there's a concept in technology around fail fast, and I think that's a really important concept to think about when you're dealing with technology is recognize when you're failing fast 
and pivot or get out and do yeah. something else uh, because it's all too easy to hang on too long and to burn through your capital to the point at which you are going to fail altogether rather than just move on to a new technology. So, so when you did pivot, who did you call on to help you make that decision? Because that's that's you know it's not just Ghostbusters. Okay, <laughs> it's your whole team, right? right? It's your whole team involved. Well, and, and in yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. And so that's that's a really good point. The ultimately, this is a team sport. Yeah. Uh, you know, entrepreneurship, although individual entrepreneurs are often the ones that are driving the, the ship, so to speak, the reality is they're not doing it alone. Uh, you're always part of an ecosystem at a minimum, but typically you're part of a team that's specifically focused on what you're doing as an organization, and that team is involved in the decision. So surround yourself with really great people who can help make the right decisions together as a team and listen to them. Great. So where do you see VizWorks in five years, all this growth ahead? Where, where do you hope to see the organization in five years? Well, one of the underlying principles of VizWorks from day one is that we want to build a Calgary-based company with a global presence. Uh, there's a lot of technology companies for good reasons that want to build up a technology and then exit by selling it off to some other organization, typically in the U.S. someplace, and, and all power to them if that's what they want to do. But we decided to take a different path. Uh, and, and my particular, I grew up in Alberta. I'm, I was born in Calgary. This is my home. And I've seen this conversation time and time again around we have to change the way things are done. We have to change the economy. We have to do different things. And yet we don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're doing it. We're, we're building a company that has a local basis, but is going to be focused on a global opportunities that come from the kind of things we can do. Uh, and we're not alone. There's certainly a number of other really successful, good companies here in Calgary that actually don't get talked about nearly enough. Uh, but that's what we are focused on. And so what do we see, you know, five years down the road? We see ourselves in many different markets around the world selling the kind of technology capabilities that we have. And we're growing here in Alberta. Great. So if people want to get in contact with VizWorks or want to know more about VizWorks, what should they do? Uh, well, our website, of course, okay. uh, www.vizworks, V-I-Z-W-O-R-X. Dot com. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's probably the best way to engage with us originally. You can certainly follow up on any of the, the links on there. We have contact us information and so forth. But it'll give you a good breadth of information about what we do as an organization. Uh, it's, it's always, as one would expect in the kind of things we do, a little out of date because the advances in technologies we do are going on at a very rapid pace. But it'll certainly give you a, a breadth of understanding of, of what we're capable of and the kind of things we get involved in. Great. So, Jeff, I want to say thanks. I think the end of our time is, is here. So say thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Okay, and for those out there, thanks for listening. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This podcast was made possible by a generous contribution from Zinc Ventures and is hosted by volunteers from Rainforest Alberta. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.